You're listening to the podcast version of Unnecessary Roughness from LVSportsNetwork.com, brought to you by Subs. It's Unnecessary Roughness, presented by the Jewelers of Las Vegas. Pitches it out to the right. Brian Kelly, Amik Roberts, it's got him down in the backfield, back at the 35. Welcome back to the lineup, Amik. That's a loss of five, trying the right side. It's Unnecessary Roughness. Let's go inside the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, sponsored by Dos Caras Tequila and presented by the Realty One Group. And Vinny Bonsignor joins us now on the phone lines as we kick off hour number two of the show, Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. And Vinny, thanks so much for your time. We appreciate you. Thanks so much for sending over Max. We're going to actually hear from Max Crosby in the Raiders locker room right after we talk to you. And let's start off with players in the locker room or at the podium. My understanding was Devontae wasn't going to speak today, but I saw that he did speak. So was there anything that you took away from what Devontae had to say today? Yeah, um, and not, well, number one, um, you know, the shoulder's feeling a little bit better, a little sore. Um, obviously, he didn't practice uh, today, uh, you know, with, with the sore shoulder, but I fully expect him to be out there uh, on, on Monday night playing against his former teammates and uh, or former team. There aren't that many teammates left uh, on that club. Um, but, you know, that's that's basically the uh, the, the big story right now is, is, is Devontae Adams uh, matching up with the Green Bay Packers, uh, the, the team that honed him and developed him and drafted him, turned him into a man and one of the great wide receivers in the game, uh, and his thoughts uh, about that and kind of the how how he's approaching this much more with a much more you know it, the, the end the, the end in Green Bay was more amicable than angry. Yeah. So this isn't one of those uh, you know you stick it to them because they stuck it to me and it, it, it's nothing like that. It's more out of appreciation and respect uh, that he has for that organization, what they did uh, for him growing up. Um, and so I think that he, he welcomes the opportunity to go out there and thank them. And the best way to thank him is to go beat him and show them what they developed. Yeah, and if Jair Alexander is as, as healthy as I think he's going to be for Monday Night Football, it should be a hell of a matchup. Jair Alexander going up against Devontae Adams. They did it in practice all the time. Now they'll get to do it on the big stage. Another player that we talked about with Coach McDaniels earlier is Jimmy G. You asked the question. Uh, he's not cleared out of concussion protocol yet, but he did practice at a limited capacity today. What's the gut feeling telling you about Jimmy G and his availability for Monday? Yeah, I think today was uh, basically that, that last uh, hurdle. Um, you know that, uh, that that he had to clear before being fully cleared. Um, you know, I'd be surprised uh, if he wasn't. You know, uh, either tomorrow or, or or the next day, Saturday. They have an extra day now. Um, you know, playing on Monday night. But uh, he looked okay in the locker room. Uh, even when we saw him running around a little bit uh, at practice in the limited time that we were out there, he looked okay. So, um, you know, I think this is just you know, and, and this is what the Raiders are hoping. This is what Jimmy is hoping. Uh, is that this is just the, the, that last step that you that you that you need to take um, and check off that box in order to be fully cleared. Yeah, and uh, I think that you know he probably will. I think that extra day is really going to help them in a major way. What about Nate Hobbs? He was a late you know scratch last week. Uh, he hurt his ankle. I uh, hadn't heard about it throughout the course of the week, but then all of a sudden he didn't play against the the uh, Chargers. What do you think about Nate Hobbs and his potential availability? Yeah, um, didn't practice again today. That's not a good sign. Uh, obviously, something happened um, at one of the practices. I don't know which day it was. Yeah. Uh, but all of a sudden, he showed up on the uh, on the on the injury report and was was listed out for Sunday's game against the Chargers with an ankle injury. Uh, that's that's not a good thing. It's not a good injury to have playing cornerback. <laughs> you know, uh, obviously, your feet and your legs. Uh, you need that. You need your speed. You need your quickness. You need to be able to cut. You need to be able to run with wide receivers. 
push off, all of those types of things. So uh, we'll see where this is all headed with Nate Hobbs, but uh, definitely not a good sign that he wasn't able to practice uh, today after missing Sunday's game against the Chargers. Vinny Bonsignor is our guest here at Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary roughness. Of course, you can find Vinny on the morning tailgate, 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. with Clay and Lindsey Brown. And as far as just the team goes, Vinny, the question I threw out there to Raider Nation today was just about uh, how close to a must-win is this. And it sounds weird for me to say that in week five, the Raiders could be anywhere close to a must-win, but it feels like they've really got to stop the bleeding as they're on this three-game losing streak. Yeah, I agree, um, and especially since it's a team that you know they they I think personnel wise uh, they're right there with them, if not uh, especially on that high end level uh, of, of players, uh, the, kind of the marquee players. You know, I think they 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 have the advantage in that regard. When you talk about a Devontae, when you talk about a Josh Jacobs, uh, when you talk about a Max Crosby, you now granted uh, the Green Bay Packers have some good players as well, but I just think from top to bottom the Raiders are the better team, and this is a game that they should win just from strictly a personnel uh, standpoint. What's been bothering the Raiders, what's been holding the Raiders back are the self-inflicted wounds that we keep talking about week after week after week. And that's the thing that they can't continue to have happen. You know, it's one thing to just get beat. You know, that's going to happen. The other team's better. Sometimes that, you know, or, or it's their better day. Uh, but when you're continually hurting yourself uh, by doing things that, that kind of sabotage your, your own efforts, uh, that's the worst feeling, uh, you know, in the world. And, and the thing is, even with all the penalties last week, with all the penalties the week before against the Pittsburgh Steelers, both were winnable games. Both yeah. In both cases, they had chances to either tie the game or win the game uh, late in the game. So they're not far off. This isn't, you know, some hopeless situation. It really is. And Devontae talked about this today. Everybody just needs to execute. And it can't be a 10-player you know, player executing one player not executing situation it needs to be all 11 whatever you know uh, anything less than all 11 you're going to kind of get the results that, that, that they've been getting if they can get all 11 to play and execute efficiently and at a high level things are going to get turned around Vinny, how surprised are you by the struggles of the offense uh very much so you know and i think that you know i think coming into the season there was an anticipation that that offensive line was going to be kind of an anchor. Um, it was one of those areas that, that improved, you know, as the season went on last year, and it was supposed to be kind of a certainty. And I felt like if you protect Jimmy Garoppolo um, and if you could run block for, for Josh Jacobs, then good things should be able to happen. So the mm-hmm. fact that they haven't been able uh, to, to block well enough up front, both in the run game and, and in terms of pass protection, I think that's let this team down a lot. And then, of course, you know, when you talk about some of the illegal procedure penalties, the holding penalties, the things that they've done to themselves, and the turnovers. You know, uh, Aiden O'Connell turned it over a couple of times. Obviously, Jimmy G uh, throwing six interceptions, not gonna, that's not going to help uh, as well. Um, so all of those things have contributed to an offense that's just not been able to get out of the gate the way we thought they would, um, and that's led to a lot of frustration. Uh, you know, I talked to Michael Mayer today. Um, it feels like he feels like, and the tight ends coach, based on what he was telling me, um, they're kind of excited about some things that are going to be happening here pretty soon. So, And it felt like talking to Mick Lombardi and, and Josh uh, McDaniels today that there's more intentionality to get Michael Mayer uh, involved and to get a lot of the other weapons uh, involved. They, they brought these guys onto the team for a reason. They haven't been able to tap into that for a lot of the reasons that we just talked about, the turnovers, the penalties not holding on to the ball long enough, not being able to successfully run the ball in order to extend drives. There's a lot that's playing into this, but 
they also feel the answers are there. It's not anything that they got to go outside the building and make massive changes. The talent is there. It's the efficiency that's been hurting them. Vinny Boston, yours, our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. And you asked the question earlier to Coach McDaniels about Michael Mayer and getting him more involved, and he was talking about just possessing the ball. They haven't had possessions yeah. enough. How much of that goes into, you know, the lack of Trey Tucker getting involved, Michael Mayer getting involved, even Hunter Renfro getting involved? It's just that they haven't had the ball that much. Yeah, exactly. And, and when you start thinking about it, and, you know, I'm just kind of talking under my ear right now. I don't have the numbers in front of me. But I don't remember a whole lot of 14, 15, you know, 13-play drives, 11-play yeah. drives, 12-play drives where, you know, you get into a rhythm. You start being able to set things up, you know, play sequences, uh, play call sequences, uh, and just more opportunities to now delve into, you know, your supplemental supplementary players, uh, guys like Trey Tucker, guys like um, DeAndre Carter and Michael Mayer. You know, obviously there's going to be a focal point for a Devontae Adams, for a Jacoby Myers and Josh uh, uh, Josh Jacobs. Yeah. Uh, but you also have these other weapons, and, and it requires holding onto the ball and having a bunch of plays to be able to spread it around the way they want to spread it around. They haven't been able to do it. Why? They get into, you know, second and longs, and now you got to throw the ball and, you know, uh, try to make up lot, you know big chunks of yards uh, on third down, and, and that's been a problem uh, as well. You're turning the ball over, so all of a sudden – you know, that negates uh, the possibility of a long drive or you get a penalty and it sets you back. There's a lot of different reasons that, that it's played into it, but you're absolutely right. Uh, in terms of holding on to the ball, something that they haven't been able to do very well, that has it, it, it's curtailed their ability to be able to, to get more touches for everybody, not just Michael Mayer, not just Hunter Renfro, but really everybody on the team, including the run game. You know, they're not yeah. able to just settle into a run game where – they're running at 25, 26 times a game. That's the game that they want to get to, but it requires holding on to the ball longer than they have. On Sunday against the Chargers, Aiden O'Connell got the start. Uh, we know Joshua Downs has said multiple times that if, as long as Jimmy G clears the protocol, he's going to be the starter. Do we know who the backup is going to be? Is it going to be Brian Hoyer, or is it going to be Aiden O'Connell? Yeah, that's, that's a, a really interesting question. Um, and, and I think it's probably going to come down to, uh, you know, how many reps Aiden is able to get during a week of practice. I think they just feel like um, when it's limited the way it is, and I don't know what how it was dispersed uh, today given you know how, how Jimmy was still a little bit on a limited basis. Yeah. Um, but I don't think they want to put him in a situation where in the, in the middle of a game in which you know he hasn't been a big part of the game planning and the, and the uh, practicing of that game plan, I don't necessarily think they want to throw him into that situation. Brian Hoyer is probably the lesser player, I would say, uh, at this stage of their careers, but he has much more um, knowledge of the offense. There's, there's recall that he has that, that, that you know, a guy like Aiden O'Connell just doesn't have. So if they, if, even if Brian Hoyer doesn't get the, you know, a, a whole lot of snaps in practice, he knows this offense so well that you just call a play and he's going to know what that play is. Um, whereas, whereas Aiden is a little bit different. So, It'll be interesting. I think at some point this season, it'll probably be Aiden O'Connell as the uh, as the backup backup quarterback. I don't know if it's this week yet. Yet though. 
Uh, just got a couple more questions for you. And, again, we're talking with Vinny Bonsignor from the Las Vegas Review-Journal, of course, Radio Nation Radio 920 as well, uh, the morning tailgate with Clay Baker and Lindsey Brown. Wanted to ask you about the Raiders and their opportunity on Monday and, and to get the run game going since Green Bay has struggled really badly to stop the run. Do you think this is a game that Josh Jacobs could really start to get rolling downhill? It looked like on Sunday against the Chargers he was starting to get his legs back. Yeah, it, it did, and and I and I felt like they did a pretty good job of uh, being a little bit more diverse in how they ran the ball. Uh, there were a couple of counters that they ran. There were there was a draw play uh, that they ran. They, they they just it looked a little bit different in terms of how they were actually going about it and attacking. And I felt like it helped get him going uh, eventually. Uh, but like Josh McDaniels talked about today, one thing about the running game is. Uh, you know, you just keep kind of pounding it, pounding it, pounding it, even though, you know, there's times where it's just going to be two yards or one yard or three yards in the hope that later on in the game you're wearing the defense out and all of a sudden those two-yard gains become eight, nine, ten-yard gains. That's kind of what, you know, Josh has done over the course of his career. You just sort of keep at it and keep that hammer uh, going against your opponent so that they eventually break. Well, that goes back to what we were just talking about, though. If you're not able to keep trying to do that because you're not holding on to the ball long enough for all the reasons that we talked about, even that opportunity kind of gets lost in that first you know, part of the game so that it pays off in the second part of the game. Um, so, again, it all goes back to the Raiders need to be efficient with the ball and hold on to the ball in order for them to get a lot of this stuff that they have on the roster, all these weapons, um, you know, unchecked. But I do feel like they did a better job of it in the second half. And I felt like they played better defensively in the second half against the, uh, against the Chargers. Now they just got to do it. And we've said this a lot, <laughs> Q, four straight quarters rather than a quarter here or a quarter there. That doesn't get it done at this level. Yeah, no, it won't. That's something I asked Coach McDaniels about. The second and third quarters have been non-existent so far yep. for the Raiders, and that that can't happen. F- final question for you, Vinny. Uh, you know, I also asked Coach McDaniels about the deep ball and the opportunities that the Packers take, and they do take a lot. And, and Jordan Love's completed nine passes of 30-plus yards so far this season. But what Coach McDaniels pointed out was all the pass interference penalties that they end up getting because they're check- chucking the ball down the field so much. How dangerous can that be? How much – is the Raiders secondary and their safety is really going to be tested on Monday night? Yeah, and when he was saying that, uh, I was I was thinking about uh, covering Sean McVay because he used to bring that up a lot. A pass interference to them is a completion, and Matt Lafleur, obviously a good friend and a former coach under under Sean McVay, they know the value in taking chances because uh, whether they're completing it or forcing pass interferences, it still counts for the same amount of yards. Yep, um, and so that's like a reception and. But in order to do that, you have to keep taking those chances. And I think if Jordan loves somebody that is, has no problem uh, chucking it down the field, he's got the necessary arm. I think he's wired correctly as well. Um, that plays right into what Matt Lafleur wants to wants to try to do. And it's incumbent on the Raiders, whether it's structurally how they uh, present themselves defensively uh, or what they're doing schematically, to kind of take the thought away from him um, more often than not. He's going to take his chances, but what you want to probably do is uh, you know uh, make him think about it when he's at the line of scrimmage, not not necessarily uh, as the play is going on, but be, but making make him make that decision not to take a, a long shot when he's at the line of scrimmage by how you're lined up, and I would imagine that's going to play into it a little bit. But that said, uh, those cornerbacks and those safeties better be ready because uh, Jordan Love's going to take some chances. 
Yeah, he is. They're, they're definitely going to take some shots, and there's going to be opportunities for them to make plays, but they just got to go out there and make the plays as well. So it kind of it works to their advantage. But, again, you got to make the plays when the plays are there to be made. Vinny, great stuff as always. What are you working on that we should be on the lookout for, my man? Yeah, writing about uh, Devontae and, uh, and, and his reunion against the Packers. Uh, also going to be uh, writing about uh, Michael Barry. By the way, I got a chance to talk to Jerry Tillery too, uh, today, too, um, for a story that I'm doing about the penalties, and he was – Highly, highly, highly regretful of what uh, of the penalty that he committed. He understands that he can't do that. Um, you know, he wasn't, and he, he said this, look, I, it wasn't malicious. I wasn't trying to hurt anybody. Uh, Justin Herbert is actually a dear friend of mine. So it had nothing to do with that. I just, I just blew it in terms of understanding where I was uh, on the field at that particular time, trying to make a play. So, uh, so uh, he apologized. Uh, he came correct, and I, I absolutely respect him for that. Hey, that's good stuff right there. That's a good little nugget to drop. Vinny, great stuff, man. Thanks again for sending over Max. We're going to hear from him in just a second. Uh, appreciate you as always, my man. All right, thank you. Have a great show. All right, will do. There he is, Vinny Bonsignor from the RJ, the Las Vegas Review-Journal, and, of course, Raider Nation Radio 920 in the morning tailgate, 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. with Clay Baker and Lindsey Brown. They do a fantastic job. Definitely appreciate him and his efforts. And speaking of Max Crosby, um, Vinny sent over Max Crosby. So let's go into uh, the Raiders locker room and hear from Mad Max. What kind of a challenge is it having a guy like Aaron Jones back there, back on the field and uh, wrecking havoc at times? Yeah, Aaron Jones is a great player. Um, I've known him for years, played against him. Uh, he's, he's a hell of a player, and I've got a ton of respect for him. So every time he steps out there, you know, he's, he's definitely going to be a threat. Josh Jacobs the other day was talking about when it's that close, like when it's one play every game, it's more and more frustrating. Do you feel that? Is it is it tougher when it's that close every game? Yeah, yeah anytime you lose, it's tough. So, yeah, I don't know. Like I, I talked about it a million times. I work year round, uh, so yeah, I don't want to come here. I want to win. That's as simple as that. I, that's all it comes down to. So you know, there's no excuses. We got to do it. The players got to do it. Coaches, everybody's got to look yourself in the mirror um, and figure out how to get better. And that's what I'm doing. That's what I know. You know, most of these guys are doing. So that's that's you know the goal every single day. So we want to win. Uh, no matter what. What it looks like, a win to win, and that's what we're planning on doing. So we just got to keep improving. Throughout those first four games, how much improvement have you seen from your unit from the defense? Um, I, you know, I think I feel like we're we're gelling. You know, that's one thing. You know, I feel like since OTAs and camp and everything, you know, we've done a good job of communicating, and I feel like that's gotten better and better. You know, we've taken, you know, we've had some ups and downs and things like that, but um, when we're at our best, we're playing complimentary football. Like we're, you know. We're playing at a high level, but it's got to be all the time. Sometimes can't be second half, can't be first half. It's got to be all the time. That's what I preach every single day. Yeah, if you guys finally got that turnover. I know you wanted it bad. Do you think uh, it's like one of those things that's contagious and it come a bunch of things? Um, you know, it's like sacks. You know, the sacks, turnovers, they all come in bunches. You know, you got to get a ton of shots on goal. It's like soccer. You know, you can miss someday you can go out there and have 19 shots on goal and miss all, you know, all of them. But sometimes you have three and you make all three. So you just got to keep hunting the ball um, no matter what it is. So something we emphasize and focus on. Uh, before he came here, before you guys got tight, do you have any uh, memories of watching Devontae uh, with the Packers? Obviously, it's so great for so many years. Yeah, you know, he's, like everyone knows, his best receiver in football. The guy, uh, he's incredible. And uh, I remember probably my most vivid memory is watching him uh, play COVID year. 
he had like this crazy season, he had like 1,800 yards and something. But I remember watching him. I think it was a Monday night game, just like the Bears or something. Or it might have been the Bears. I don't remember who, but he was just going off. He had like three touchdowns, and just cooking everybody. So yeah, you know, Devontae, I'd sit there like a fan and watch him. But you know, he's, he's incredible. He's been, he's been everything you expect. I assume that as a teammate, now that you've gotten to know him better in his time here. Yeah, Devontae is one of my best friends on the team, dude. It's incredible. Um, we talk ball, we talk about our families, our daughters. Um, you know, me and him have a lot of, you know, our stories are very similar in a lot of ways. And uh, I got so much respect for him as a man and as a player. And, uh, you know, he inspires me. Um, and he, you know, he says it too. He's like, bro, you, you do every single day. He's like, he, he just gives me that assurance that I know I'm doing the right things. Because a guy like him has done it at such a high level, you know he's doing the right thing. So, yeah, I love Devontae. He's, he's incredible. Max, when you guys pitch a shutout like you did in the second half and did what you did against uh, Justin Herbert, made life difficult for him, yeah. is that something to build on? I mean, when you watch the film and see what you guys were doing right, to be able to have that, you know, kind of in your bank that this is what the level we could play at. Yeah, you know, that's uh, it just, you know, we talked about earlier. But, yeah, it's the same thing. You know, we want to play a complete, you know, game from start to finish. You know, that we have we've had good moments. <laughs> Uh, we've had some good games. I feel like we played well against the Chargers, you know, given the circumstances, you know, but it wasn't good enough. There's always room for improvement. So, like, yeah, as a unit, you know, it starts in practice, starts in the weight room, it starts with every detail. You know, you got to be consistent in all, all areas, and that is a direct correlation to what happens on the field, and that's what I truly believe. And um, I try to preach that to all the guys. Max Crosby in the Raiders locker room right there. Many thanks again to Vinny Bonsignor for sending that over. We also have Jerry Tillery. We'll hear from Jerry Tillery in hour number three of the show uh, here on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. Let's go out to the phone lines. We're doing, like, helter-skelter here. we got to keep your head on a swivel on this show. 702-365-9200. Let's go out to Denver and talk to our good friend Raider Dave. Welcome to the show. Hey, how you doing, Q? You Fantastic. Know, I think it was you that I would either listen to on a podcast or maybe you brought it up on the radio. Didn't you have a kind of a signature line about every team needs Choir boys and convicts, is that Yeah, that yeah, uh, uh, Carthys and choir boys. Carthy, that's what it was, Carthys. I didn't think it was – so if you ever seen Max with his shirt off, I don't think he fits into the choir boy side of this. <laughs> but if you've ever seen somebody like Mighty Mouse Renfro end up uh, taking out a dude on a fake punt, you know, anybody could play either role on this team. And the ire – of what this team needs to do and the ire that has to come up and for them to play with more intensity just has to be bigger in the second and third quarter. It, it's desperation at the end and they really start coming together. And the question that I lead to here and that I don't hear you or Vinny or anybody else asking the head coach or even the defensive backs co- or the defensive coordinator and you know, to his credit, everybody wanted his head on a noose last year and this year against Buffalo uh, against the Pittsburgh Steelers, against, uh, you know, the Chargers. They're starting to shut people down in the second half, enabling the offense to finally get its footing and get going a little bit. But nobody's asking the question, is that because, is the, is the second half shut down and the, and the defense playing that much better, is it because of adjustments or is it because of guys finally playing just smart, hard-nosed football? And I'd like for that to be asked of the defensive coordinator or some of the players they could actually prop up this D.C. who's actually uh, should be in the favor of Raider Nation way more than he was last year. Because let's face it, if this was the same as last year, this team would be 0-4. 
All right, good stuff, good stuff. And, no, I mean, I didn't ask that question. I don't get the opportunity to talk to Patrick Graham or Mick Lombardi. Uh, my schedule doesn't fit with it, but I do get there for uh, head coach Joshua Daniels. And we'll talk to him again this week. We'll probably talk to him on Saturday. So uh, I'll write that down. I'll ask that question. We'll see what the what the response is. It, it's funny all the – well, I won't even get into it. But, uh, yeah, there's a, there's a long laundry list of questions that people have been asking us to ask. So uh, I'll try to do my best and ask whichever ones uh, I can. It's not a – again, it's not a, a – you and Coach McDaniel's one-on-one session. I mean, there's, i got to be respectful to other people's times and questions as well. Uh, and some people have stories that they're writing, so they'll ask a question another way. But I know Raider Nation has a big laundry list of, of questions that they'd like to ask, so we try to do our best to ask as many possible questions. Uh, how about we go out to the 408 real quick before we get Lincoln Kennedy. Robert, welcome to the show. What's on your mind, Robert? Uh, real quick, uh, Keir, I know you're up against it. Um, Every time I hear people say the Raiders have just a bunch of talent on offense, yes, we have a, a good deal of talent at skill positions. But football hasn't changed. And if you don't have the talent on the offensive line, it doesn't matter how good your quarterback could be. Joe Montana, you could have Jerry Rice, Marcus Allen, Tim Brown, whatever. If the offensive line isn't getting the job done, it doesn't matter. And until this offensive line gets fixed, it's not going to matter, and that's just the unfortunate end of things right there. So Gene Upshaw and our show aren't walking through those doors uh, this season. So how no. they get it fixed, I don't know. Hopefully they, they figure something out. But it, this might be just something where we need to put draft picks into this offensive line and defensive line, and that's where Raiders old used to dominate on both sides of the line of scrimmage on the line of scrimmage. All right. Hey, good stuff. Thanks, Robert, for the call. And, yeah, I mean, the Raiders have put a lot of uh, resources into the defensive line, uh, not so much the offensive line, even though last year they did uh, add a couple guys by way of the draft. But, you know, it's funny, you know, after the first two weeks of the season, everyone was calling in telling me how good the offensive line was, and I kept saying, I don't know if they're really that good. Uh, they haven't, I know pro football focus was grading them pretty highly, but I felt like that there was a little bit of leaks in that offensive line. And now after 11 sacks the last two weeks, everyone's talking about the offensive line. And I think the real issue, I mean, look, there's only one really change uh, on the offensive line this year, and that's the, the right guard position. You know, instead of Alex Bars, it's Van Roten. He was supposed to be an upgrade. I don't think he's been an upgrade yet. And, you know, the right tackle position, it was kind of flip-flopping between Illuminor and Thayer Mumford last year, and it's kind of flip-flopping between Illuminor and Thayer Mumford this year, uh, even though Illuminor has taken the majority of the, the snaps. I don't, I don't really know. I'm not too sure exactly what they can do at this stage of the game to address it, right? I thought Thayer Mumford was going to win that job coming out of camp. He didn't. So I'm not too sure exactly what, you know, what they could do to the offensive line to improve it at this stage of the game. 326 is the time, but thank you for the call. I do appreciate you. Lincoln Kennedy, he knows a little something-something about the offensive line. He joins us next. It's Radio Nish Radio 920. This podcast version of Unnecessary Roughness on LVSportsNetwork.com is brought to you by Porta Subs. Make sure you check out Porta Subs six-foot party trays. They're perfect for game days. You'll get your choice of three made-to-order classic subs made with premium meats and cheese on your choice of fresh-baked bread, loaded with fresh veggies, toppings, and sauces. Game day six-foot trays serve 12 to 16 people, so you can sit back and enjoy the game. Available at all Las Vegas-area Porta Subs, neighborhood sandwich shops, order ahead at portasubs.com. 
Yeah, it's a physical group up front, and it's a tough group to defend. You know, they do a lot of things well, and they give you a lot of different looks, a lot of personnel groupings, a lot of different things inside to have to deal with, and their receivers will block, you know. So as a unit, their running game is, you know, it's very diverse and difficult, and we're going to work hard at it today. Raiders color analyst Lincoln Kennedy is live on Unnecessary Roughness right now on Raider Nation Radio. Coming back, you heard head coach Josh McDaniels talking about the Packers and what they do up front, their running game. Aaron Jones obviously is a hell of a playmaker, and Jordan Love is coming to his own as the starting quarterback there in Green Bay. Of course, they're coming to town Monday for Monday Night Football. Lincoln Kennedy joins us now on the phone lines. And Lincoln, last time the Raiders had a home game, it was Sunday Night Football. This time it's Monday Night Football. How special was it for you when you got that opportunity on Monday nights? Well, you know what? It was really cool because you knew that you were going to be the only game in town on. And people loved football even back when I played. So uh, people were watching. You knew you had the numbers and stuff like that. And I, you know, I remember one of my teammates, and may he rest in heaven, Chester McLaughlin was, um, was, was, uh, was a good one. And he, every time we had like a premier game, whether it was like um, Sunday night, Monday night, Thursday night, or one of those premier games where you knew you were going to be nationwide television, he said he's about to go off, and he played some of his best football. He was definitely a, 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 a disruptor and, and tearing up places. But I knew guys that played like that and wanted to show off when they knew all the lights were on them, uh, and it was always a good time. There was a, a time in Raider history where they were the best on Monday night, and I, right. I know that, that you know obviously it's removed from the now, but it's just something different about when you play on Monday night, and to be dominant like the Raiders were on Monday night, that's got to be a special feeling, Lincoln. Well, it is. It, it, the thing is, is that you know you have a good team if you're playing on Monday night and Sunday night. You see what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. they don't just put any chumps on there. But once upon a time, when they first started this sort of regimen of schedule, they had to have. They wanted every team to have a chance to play on Thursday night, every team to play on Monday night. But then when the the uh, the, the powers that be, the the TV companies said, look. There are certain teams that aren't good. We don't want to put them on Monday night. So that's when you develop the theory of the flex schedule and everything else. Uh, but it was a, 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 you know, a sort of reward to, to be on Monday night. Well, coming up this Monday night is the Green Bay Packers in Allegiant Stadium. And, Lincoln, right now the Raiders are riding this three-game losing streak. I mean, what, what do they have to do to stop the bleeding and get a victory on Monday? Have to do everything right. I mean, to, you, you, have to, you have to play good on offense, have to move the ball. Score touchdowns on defense. You have to get off the field, so you have to do everything right. Um, we're hoping that to see that this this year they develop the ability to get takeaways to create takeaways. You know they're behind the eight ball and the takeaway uh, uh, sort of score, and then um, also get sacks on defense. And more importantly, you know score points on offense. We haven't seen this team really have a breakout game offensively yet. No, no, they haven't. They haven't scored over 20 points yet, you know, and that's something that there's only three teams in the league, the, the Raiders, the Patriots, and the Saints, the only three teams that haven't scored 20 points yet. So that you're not going to win a lot of games under 20 points. And not, in not if you don't have an 85 Bears defense. You're right. <laughs> right, right. And the Raiders don't have that 85 Bears defense. Not many nope. do because that defense no. was so incredible. But, you know, the Packers, they come in, their, their rush defense isn't very good, and I don't like to say that, okay, well, they're going to be able to run all over them because, well, we haven't seen the Raiders do that yet but should there be an extra emphasis on trying to get the run game going no more than you normally would have right now the Raiders offensively can't say they do anything well right it has it's been inconsistent so you don't you don't have the fortune to say okay well you know they might stink in this area we might be able to take advantage they don't have the fortune 
So what you have to do is you have to go out there and play your game, you know, almost almost like an inner squad scrimmage or something else. I mean, or or something within yourself to figure out how you can play better as a team before you look at the other team you're facing. Look, Q, the NFL is all about matchups. Mm-hmm. You take advantage of matchups. If you have a star receiver and you got a you know a rookie cornerback, hey. Where's the rookie cornerback? Let's throw his way. You want to test them to see where they are. That's what that's what the NFL is all all about. And you know those matchups only stay premier for a while. That's why the NFL stands for not for long. Um, but the thing is, is that you can't really put your forward your foot forward and say, well, you know, they're rushing defenses for us, so we're going to run the ball all day. We haven't ran the ball all day on anybody. So you need to take care of yourself before you look outward. Again, we're talking with Lincoln Kennedy here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. Before you came on, we had our guy Raider Dave in Denver call us and <laughs> talked about he, – he talked about this. He said that nobody has asked the question why the Raiders are playing so good in the fourth quarter when it's, you know, desperation time and they almost come back and win these games. Is it adjustments? Is it – you know, what's going on? Why all of a sudden is it clicking in the fourth quarter as opposed to the second and the third quarter? I, would, I wouldn't necessarily agree with that point from the, the, what we've seen so far – I think the Raiders, the reason why they played a little bit better in the fourth quarter is we talk about the level of competition. I mean, let's face it. Other than the Buffalo Bills, the Raiders were in every game, right? Right. You know, and they weren't blown out. But at the same point, the the writing was on the wall early for the Pittsburgh game. You barely escaped the Denver game. You had your chances uh, against the Chargers, just came up short. You can't lose the turnover battle. That's why you have to play near-perfect football. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's not – I don't have, I don't believe in moral victories, mm-hmm. so I don't break down games and say, well, they played the first quarter right, but then the second quarter, no, no, no. Yeah. The game is all about adjustments. Adjustments should happen throughout the game, not just the beginning game or halftime. You can make bigger adjustments when you have the time you have the team's attention, but the adjustments have to be made throughout the game, and it's up to the coaches staff, more importantly, when you're looking down or seeing something from the sideline, to say something, because you don't hire 20-something coaches, and no one knows what the hell's going on. You know what I mean? Yeah. Take us inside the locker room real quick, Lincoln. What kind of adjustments actually happen at halftime? Like, how major of adjustments can they make? Well, depending on the coach and depending on how intuitive they are, I've had coaches that come in and say, okay, they're playing this front, so this is what we want to do when they see how the, you know, the game plan has come down. And then if they go back to you know what you originally prepared for, you have it within your arsenal to be able to call those plays. But you're you're adjusting to what you've seen, and then you're going to see how they do things, you know, following up after you make your adjustments or whatever your adjustments are. Right. So when you you know we hear all the time, and you know people like me and and anyone else, Vinny or or whoever is on the radio talking about it, I don't see the adjustments. I don't see the adjustments. Do you do you see adjustments when you're watching from the the bird's eye view up top? It depends on the game. I mean, like, for example, I can go back to last year and say, without a doubt, I saw little or no adjustments in the Saints game and little or no adjustments in the Jacksonville game. Okay. Yep. Those are games that stick out in my mind right now, okay? I don't have all my notes in front of me. Right. But I've also seen it, you know, during the game. I might mention it during the broadcast. There's no adjustment there. You know, the, the thing is, is that if you have, for example, if you have a rookie corner, Bennett, and you know that the team needs a big play, much like it happened against the Rams last year. You don't put a corner without a safety help over the top to and have him play press. Right, that if makes sense. If he gets beat off the line, like like Bennett was against Palmer, even when he tries to hold him, or or and you can make make the comment that Palmer got away with a little bit of a push off if you want to. That's fine. But Bennett had his had his hand or his forearm between his elbow and his his own forearm. He was holding him. Yeah, it wasn't called. Right. Offensive pass interference wasn't called. 
My point is, is that you don't put a corner in that type of coverage without a safety over top, knowing that the team is probably going to try to take a chance to get a first down and ice the game with a capable, capable quarterback. Does that so, make sense? Yeah, no, it does. I love this. I love this conversation. So with all that being said, I guess the million-dollar question would be, why aren't the adjustments being made? Again, that's the million-dollar question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I ain't got a million dollars. I'd be playing a lot right now for that billion, that two million. You know what I mean? Trying to keep my eyes. Um, <laughs> I, I, I really don't know because I'm not in the locker room. So I've, right. never, I've only had the chance to talk with, you know, Patrick Graham and Coach mm-hmm. McDaniels and, you know, just and, and when we had our production meeting breakdowns, those types of things you know, to get in their mind. I don't know what's going on, I, I, and I hate to s- sit there and comment and speculate. Right. I just know it hasn't translated to the players. No, it hasn't. Coach is coach, players play. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, you, so, say, you say that all the time, and I always, I always quote that. I said, as Lincoln always tells me, coach is coach and players play. That's right. So you can be the best coach in the world, if you don't have the wherewithal to coach the players that you have or know your players well enough to know what their strengths and their minuses are, their weaknesses are, then you're not really coaching. Right. You're, 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 you're just what I call like an armchair quarterback or a Madden quarterback where you call and plays off a of Madden. Well, let's try this. Let's, well, we don't have the personnel to do that. So don't try that. You see what mm-hmm. I'm saying? That's, yeah. that's, what, that's where coaching falls by wayside. But I do know this, and I've always felt this way. Coaching on the NFL level to me is overrated. Mainly because you've got coaches, I mean, you've got players that come out of college that are set in their ways. And because you don't have a whole lot of time to develop those players on this level, today's game, then they're so set in those ways that that's what they're going to do when it comes game time. As a coach, you need to understand that. You need to understand their strengths and their weaknesses as a coach. Then you have to create a scheme that utilizes those strengths, that hide those weaknesses, or have a plan to hide those weaknesses in case the team figures out, oh, well, this guy can't play press man-on-man. So we see press man-on-man, no safety over top, take a shot to the wide receiver. If you don't have that corner that can do that, you can't play that coverage. Yeah, that makes sense. That Man, this is fantastic. This is great. This is why we have you on, Lincoln. <laughs> this is great. This is, this is a deep dive, and I love it. Lincoln Kennedy is our guest here on Unnecessary Rough, this Radio Nation Radio 920. So the Packers, who are coming to town, Jordan Love, he's got four games under his belt as the full-time starter, no doubt about it. What are you seeing from him? What kind of challenges do you think he presents for the Raiders? Well, he, he's, a, he's a quarterback who's started sort of coming into his own, understanding his strengths. I've seen a couple of times, a couple games where he was afraid to pull the trigger, and then the rush has kind of got to him. I do know they have some offensive line issues, but I can't really hang my hat on the fact where, you know, Max Crosby and collectively the rest of these Raiders are going to be able to create a bunch of sacks as we haven't seen it Mm -hmm. enough on a consistent basis. But I do think this team has a chance to get to the quarter, get to him, and maybe harass him a little bit like the Saints did. Now, the thing is, is that when you look at that Saints game, the, the, the way the defense was playing for the Saints in the first three quarters fell apart in the fourth quarter. Why? Because they made adjustments, and on the other side, the Saints couldn't get anything moving on offense with Jameis Winston. I don't know if we have that issue with our quarterback. I expect Jimmy G to be back here, back there. But the only way we're really going to put pressure on opposing offenses is to up that score. Yeah. I think the defense is capable of holding teams under 30. For the most part, you know, I'm talking about the Buffalo Bills. I'm talking about other teams, right? Because um, the Buffalo Bills, to me, are, are one of the, the 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 hierarchies of the AFC. But I do feel that if this team can get some turnovers, get some sacks, and slows down slow down opposing offenses, conversely, and the offense puts up sevens rather than three, you can be a, it can be a great defense for you to have a good offense. 
How much stress is Jordan Love and the fact that the Packers try to throw the ball down the field a lot and they connect on some, but then they also get a lot of pass interference called? How much stress is that going to put on the Raiders' defense? Well, I mean, most quarterbacks who are playing today's game know that it's an offensive game, knowing that if you throw a ball up and behind a receiver, there might be a good chance that you get a pass interference call or you're able to bail yourself out. The thing about Jordan Love that I see is that I think that you know, living in the shadow of Aaron Rodgers and being playing for such an influential team like the Green Bay Packers has given, give, put a lot of pressure on his shoulders mm-hmm. to be that guy. You've got to take over for the former MVP. Everybody wants to see this team win, especially the Packer fans, and so they want to see that dominance that Aaron Rodgers had when he's in there. Not yeah. really the case. It's a different quarterback. Right. And so when you're living in that spotlight until you create one for your own, now if Jordan Love was to go on and win, you know, go to the playoffs, People will forget about, for the most part, Aaron Rodgers. They'll forget about the way Green Bay Packers handled that because mm-hmm. they know they've got a winner. But until he does, it's almost like the Trey Lance situation in San Francisco. We're not going to get behind this guy until we know what he can do, or you might have to get rid of him and get someone else. Well, it should be fun. I'm excited about it. Monday Night Football at Allegiant Stadium. It's always great to be back in Allegiant uh, checking out some Raider football. Uh, what, what college game you got going on this weekend? This weekend, I've got CU versus ASU right here in my backyard in Phoenix. Oh, that's nice. Hey, man, you don't have to do anything, right? Just no, get I, don't, a- I don't have to go anywhere. I get to, I'll talk to I'll talk to Coach Brown a little bit later for the interview, and we'll go from there. There you go. There you go. Well, in that case, I'm going to the Angry Crab this weekend. How about that? Just, <laughs> just to oh, celebrate man. for you. <laughs> Enjoy yourself. <laughs> I will. Lincoln, thanks so much, man. I'll see you in the press box on Monday. All right, brother. I'll talk to you later. Okay. All right, my man. There he goes, Lincoln Kennedy. Oh, that's awesome. He's got the game. Uh, see you in Arizona, and he's going to be right there in his backyard, Coach Prime and company. Oh, it's going to be great. That will. And then he'll make the trip up to, to Vegas and uh, be in the booth with Jason Horowitz for the Monday Night Football Raiders Packers Allegiant Stadium. And I'm going to Angry Crab. Wife, we're going to Angry Crab this weekend. I just let her know. She's downstairs somewhere. So I just let her know we're going to Angry Crab. Celebrate. Uh, so we're going to celebrate Lincoln, even though he's not going to be in town until later on. But good times right there. Great knowledge. Great nuggets that uh, that Lincoln just dropped. Definitely appreciate him and all his efforts. 344 is the time. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back. Close out hour number two. Eddie in L.A., I see you. We'll get to you. Plus, we'll get to some texts as we close out hour number two of the show. It's Radio Nation Radio 920. <laughs> Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. The NFL lost a legend today. Dick Buckus passes away at the age of 80. Wild that he passes away today when Chicago, the Bears, are going to be playing Thursday night football, kicking off week five. But what a great player that was, right? And obviously I never got the opportunity to see him, but what I saw from him from highlights and Everyone talking about how great he was when he was playing, you know, one of the monsters of the midway back there in Chicago, man, just an absolute dude. So 80 years old, Dick Buckus passes away. And of course, the Chicago Bears, maybe they can go out there and, you know, show some show some fight and some some spirit this evening as they take on the Washington Commanders Thursday night football, kicking off week five NFL action. Many thanks to my guy Lincoln Kennedy, who joined us in the last segment and dropped bombs, dropped great knowledge, especially when it came to talking about adjustments. Some really good stuff from Lincoln. Definitely appreciate him. As a matter of fact, uh, at your autumn wind, hit us up on Twitter at rnr920 am at re produces at your boy q254. Great interview by Q with the Raider great Lincoln Kennedy. Listen to the breakdown of what to look for on Monday night. Also, Ravi hit us up and said, Q, Lincoln is 100% correct about scheming to the strengths of your players. That's why most fans have a problem with this coaching staff. They are not putting these guys in a position to succeed. And thank you so much for both those tweets. And I'll say this, when it comes to 
putting the, the players in position to succeed. I think the defense was put in many positions to succeed last week against the Chargers. I really do. Um, I just don't see the players going out there and executing. Also what Lakey Kennedy said, and he says it all the time, coach is coach, players play. So I think that when a guy like Marcus Peters has his hands on the ball multiple times and puts it on the ground, that's not a coaching problem. That's a Marcus Peters problem. Also when you know uh, there's tackles to be made and a guy slips right through the tackle and, and picks up 10, 15, 16 extra yards, that's not a coaching problem. That's a tackling problem. That's, you know, so there's, there's a lot of both you know, to go around. Offensively, I think the offensive line, especially the last two games, has really struggled to protect the quarterback and open up any kind of lanes for uh, for Josh Jacobs or anyone else to run through. So you know, again, that's that's a that's that's both you know both uh, elements there, the coaching and the the players going out there and executing. But I did find what Lincoln had to say about you know being able to sit up there at top with next to Jason Horowitz and look down and see you know certain things that aren't being adjusted. You know, just like he mentioned Ja'Korian Bennett being out there on an island, knowing that's a rookie, knowing that a big play needs to be made by the, the Chargers, you know, not to set him up for failure. That That's something that I think you could look at squarely and say, okay, the coaches need to do a lot better there. But thank you again for those tweets. I do appreciate you. Uh, let's go out to the phone line, 702-365-9200. Let's talk to our guy, Eddie in L.A. Welcome to the show, Eddie. What's on your mind? Yo, yo, Q, what it do, what it do? Chilling, man, chilling. How you doing? Yeah, and, uh, man, what a what an interview right there. You. You can play that over and over, and I'll never get old, man. I, it's, it's, I, I often wonder why he's not in that building helping us get this team back to greatness. I mean, we, you should really cut that, that tape up right there, send it to McDaniels, and have him play it, blast it in his ear over and over again, see if we can get a victory on Monday. We have all the pieces that we need on defense and offense to be able to play this team and come out with the victory on Monday night. There should be no excuses at why we can't beat this team. It's just there's no excuses why we should have not or, or we should have beat the Chargers, but we didn't. So part of the reason I, uh, I get frustrated watching these games is exactly what uh, um, Lincoln just pointed out. The fact is a lot of these players that come out of the college, they come out already mindset and ready to go. They're, they're only going to play one way with, with their skill set. Not all of them, but, you know, there's a, yeah. a large amount. So for the coaching staff not to be able to implement what they do best to, into their scheme and use their abilities to uh, you know, exploit the other team's off, uh, uh, weaknesses is the problem that I've been having with this coaching staff since they got there. Hopefully this week is a different story. They dig in deep, figure out how to get a win and beat the, uh, and beat the damn Green Bay. I, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm tired of losing them 8-0 and oh, back in the 90s. Back when they were still in L.A., I want to see them play. Man, I would say this. I say, keep saying it until they win, baby. It ain't easy being a Raider fan. Raider Nation, stay up. <laughs> Hey, great stuff, Eddie. And I'm writing that question down as well. I think that a perfect way to word that question or that statement to Coach McDaniels in a, in a, in a, in a question form would be how difficult is it to coach up players that are coming out of college that are kind of already set in their ways? How do, you, how do you get the most out of players that do a certain thing and maybe that's not exactly what you do? I think that would be the best way to word it. And we do talk to Coach McDaniels again this week. I believe we'll talk to him on Saturday. I don't have any problem asking the question. Uh, I asked whatever question I think is relevant at the time, like today. Asked the question about the second and the third quarter, where the, the, the disconnect is, why the Raiders cannot seem to get anything going. They haven't scored a touchdown in the second and third quarter yet this, this season. That's eight quarters, no touchdowns. That's a problem. And then I also asked the question about the deep ball to, uh, fr- from the Packers because that's, I think something's going to stress the hell out of the Raiders. That defense is going to have to be on point. 
and like Vinny brought up and Josh McDaniels brought it up as well. If they're not connected on that play, they're getting they're getting penalties. They're getting the PI called. Either way you look at it, it's like a completion, right? And the Raiders have had a couple opportunities, even though they get a PI called on them, and then the officials pick up the flag. I still don't understand that one. Going all the way back to week two against Buffalo, and I I guess I got to get over that, but I just I still don't understand. Trey Tucker is down the field. It's clearly pass interference. Yeah, he's out of bounds when he catches the ball, but you just knew that flag was going to get thrown, and it was, but it was picked up. So uh, if, if for no other reason you should test the defense just because there's a good opportunity for you to get a P.I. call, and that's just as good as a completion as far as I'm concerned. So, Eddie, thanks for that call. George, John in Orange County, Lester in the Bay, we got you on the other side. We definitely appreciate you. Plus, we'll get our Week 5 NFL picks. We'll do all that on the other side. Kick it off hour number three of the show. It's Rare Nation Radio 920. And thank you so much for listening to the podcast version of Unnecessary Roughness here on LVSportsNetwork.com, brought to you by Porta Subs.